You're listening to the Quince podcast. With the entire country in a lockdown since March, with malls shut, offices shut, schools shut, salaries being slashed, people being fired from their jobs, migrants walking back home for want of employment and food, it felt like we were all in this pandemic together. However, a recent report by Oxfam states that India's wealthiest actually escaped the worst of the pandemic and got richer in the lockdown. Sample this, and this is a big number. India's top 100 billionaires have seen their fortunes increase by rupees 12 lakh 97822 crores since March, enough to give every one of India's 138 million strong population a check of rupees 94045 rupees. This pandemic has pinched more than just the pockets of many Indians. It has revealed glaring cracks in our healthcare system, the access to education, the digital divide and most importantly how the pandemic had not impacted us equally so how did the billionaires continue to get richer during a pandemic and how has income inequality aggravated the general state of inequality in india and is a reform of our tax code the answer answer these questions we spoke to amita behar who is the ceo of oxfam india you're tuned in to the big story the podcast where we dissect the headline making news for you and i'm your host himmat While the super rich have increased their wealth, the inequality virus report by Oxfam states that common and ordinary people will take at least a decade. Yes, a decade to come back to their pre-pandemic level of economic status. On the other hand, some of India's richest recovered all their lost wealth due to the stock market crash in the start of the pandemic within just the 9 months when the country was shut. A stunning figure which the report highlights is that the richest man in India, Mukesh Ambani, actually earned rupees 90 crore per hour during the pandemic. And to get an idea on how much Mr Ambani's increase in wealth actually was, the report suggests that his wealth alone would have kept 40 crore informal workers out of poverty for at least 5 months. So how exactly did the rich manage to get richer? we spoke to amita behar to understand this so i would say there was this myth going around that the covid virus does not discriminate uh the impact is going to be equal that's not correct what we have seen is that the covid virus has actually accentuated inequality and it's accentuated the way inequality functions in this country around gender around caste uh, around uh, uh, ethnic uh, lines so you know that that's certainly what covid has done but your primary question around inequality yes i would not say that covid has created inequality we have created an unequal economic system as in just look at thomas piketty uh many years ago uh, he he started talking about inequality in india and i thought his his uh, work was extremely revealing but saddening uh one of the things that he reminded us or, or told us through his research was that india uh now is more unequal society than what we were pre independence and post independence we were constantly looking at Uh, a move towards uh, a more equal society till the 90s and post 90s uh, it, it started again becoming an unequal society but now we are a more unequal society than what we were in the uh, 30s so so it's not something that covid has created but it certainly has accentuated it 
and and it's you know in a way what is uh, what covid did was it brought out that inequality uh into the mm. public domain you know the 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 whole migrant crisis that we saw with mm. those very powerful but heart-wrenching visuals of thousands and lakhs of people uh not having food walking back to their source villages i think you know people were hit hard probably people in their daily lives uh, upper middle class people don't pay attention to this but but it has brought this whole question to the center stage just to also give a sense to the audience of the levels of wealth creation that happened and how it was skewed in favor of billionaires let me just give you a couple of figures uh, the first one is uh, the top 10 billionaires of the global list actually added 500 uh, billion dollars to their kitty during the pandemic uh, and on the other hand uh, pretty much every study uh, including the world bank report recent report says that common and ordinary people will take at least a decade to come back to pre pandemic level uh, of economic status there's one more which you know which is which tells you the differential uh, recovery uh, of the billionaires and on the other hand of the poor ordinary people thousand top billionaires of the world did take a hit initially but within 9 months had recovered uh, their losses so so that's the uh, difference and if you look at uh, uh, you know your the question that you're asking it is around the standard lines uh, of of the people who are already rich uh, it is certainly more of the it sector uh, but what is important is that different kinds of people in different sectors who are already rich have made more money so it is it is i would say an indicator of an economic system which rewards the super rich much more and as we have been saying uh, it's more of a rigged economic system which favors the billionaires government is not not in control it is actually facilitating this billionaire mm-hmm. so and that's where the idea of crony capitalism comes in that you're eventually looking at a policy framework which favors the rich because ultimately inequality and this is what the report has been constantly saying and our oxfam has been saying inequality is not inevitable it's a policy choice where does the government make its investments what are the policy choices that the government has that's the critical question to ask and therefore i would say it's not a neutral bystander the state or the government as as you said it is uh, an active participant uh, and partner of of the billionaires in helping them gain more wealth as mr behar said inequality is not inevitable but depends on policy changes made by the government raising taxes on the rich and corporations has been a frequent recommendation by many economists so that everyone pays a fair share and the government also does not lose money due to low tax rates the tax justice network an independent international network based in the uk estimates that countries are losing a total of 427 billion dollars taxes each year due to international corporate tax abuse and private tax evasions 
However, these suggestions are not new to the Indian government. At the start of the pandemic, when majority of businesses and industries were forced to shut down, policy recommendations for increasing taxes were made to the centre and even reached the Prime Minister's office. A policy paper titled The Fiscal Options and Response to the COVID-19 Epidemic contained recommendations like raising the income tax rate to 40% for those who earn more than rupees 1 crore per year and a one-time COVID-19 cess of 4% on taxable income over 10 lakh rupees. And imposing such taxes would have actually reduced the reliance on regressive taxes on consumption, such as GST, which hurt the poor and marginalized disproportionately. But India witnessed a mass exodus of people in the months of March and April due to the loss of income in urban areas. And almost 170,000 people lost their jobs every hour in the month of April 2020. As we know, what the government did implement is the rupees 1.7 lakh crore worth Atmanirbhar COVID-19 package, which has been quoted by experts as being grossly inadequate since it barely amassed to even 1% of India's GDP. But the question is, if we do tax the superage, would it actually make a difference? One estimate from the Oxfam report suggests that just a 4% wealth tax on the nation's 954 richest families could have raised the equivalent of 1% of India's GDP. Mr. Behar tells us how the redistribution of wealth of the super-rich could have sustained the Indian economy during the pandemic and also funded relief packages. So, so you know, just, just to you know, take this figure from this year, uh, let me give you a couple of figures. This year, <clears throat> in India, uh, our report tells us that the top 11 billionaires of this country, and we have 11 because there was a tie uh, at number 10, uh, top 11 billionaires, the, the wealth they added during uh, the pandemic is uh, enough to sustain the NREGA for 10 years. And, and you do know that NREGA is uh, one of our most ambitious programs. It is yep. uh, in many ways an embodiment of right to work. Uh, so that could have been sustained for 10 years just by the wealth that they have added uh, this year. Another uh, data point is that the same 11 billionaires, if you want to look at say the different ministries, they could have sustained the health ministry with their, uh, this newfound wealth, uh, added wealth uh, for 10 years. So, so that's the level of disparity. And you know, just, just one more, Mukesh Ambani during this period was making 90 crores every hour. Whereas on the other hand, uh, our report tells us that uh, it would take 10,000 years for somebody who earns a minimum wage to earn that amount. Or, uh, you know, the other thing that, you know, just to contrast, because you're trying to get a sense of the contrast, 24% of Indian population, even during pandemic, when our richest man was making 90 crores per hour, they were living with uh, 3000 rupees a month, 24% of, of the Indian population. And, uh, you know, our population is what, 130 crore now, so, so say 30 crore people were actually living with 3,000 um, uh, rupees a month. So that's the level of disparity uh, in terms of numbers. But of course, inequality is not just a financial issue. It adds to the general inequality in the country by impacting education, access to digital resources, and the most important of all, access to primary healthcare. As India, like many countries in the world, closed its schools, and the government did support the transition of learning to more visual spaces. 
In our previous episodes, we have analyzed how school students have been impacted due to the pandemic and how does prolonged shutdown of schools affect a student's health. If you have missed those episodes, please check them out on our show notes. But though the government's initiatives were in good faith, Mr. Behar believes that the government has ignored the digital divide and the access to technology. Uh, in education, uh, we we saw that how many, uh, you know, how comfortably the middle classes and the upper middle classes move to online classes, and there was you know this this conversation also happening that this is this is working fairly well, uh, but it does not look at the question of uh, the access to internet uh, to computers so if you just look at say rural india in in rural india only and i'm talking of rural india across classes in rural india only 4% have access to computers and 15% to internet so just just imagine that how uh, you know others are getting left out of of those online uh, classes so what you're looking at is a very strong digital divide being created let me just you know take this further if you look at the bottom 20% uh, then uh, the access to computers is only 3% and to internet is only 9% which is uh, further going to accentuate this digital divide so children from these families are not going to be able to uh, access their online classes and this would be a wasted year for them and then mm. on top of it this whole idea of you know one needs to appreciate that very often there are two three children living in the same room with their families people live in one room uh, houses so they do not have the space so in in all this uh, there are studies our report is saying that we did a survey a couple of months ago in which uh, overwhelmingly teachers were of the view that there's going to be a serious dropout once the schools reopen malala fund has actually put a number it says 20 million girls and in particular it's talking of uh, you know there's a gender dimension to it that the girls will not come back to school so you're looking at how uh, different people are getting affected differently so what is the plan to bridge this inequality gap will just taxing the rich be enough well introducing radical policy changes is only one of the ways to tackle the inequality and also the idea of changing economic models for a country is not theoretical anymore countries like new zealand are prioritizing the indicators of well-being over aggregate gdp growth at all costs new zealand focuses on improving the life changes of its indigenous population reducing child poverty and supporting mental well-being of young people as a top 5 priorities of their budget and speaking of budget the indian parliament's budget sessions have already commenced from 29 january what can the government do for poverty alleviation mr behar weizen in in terms of the reforms uh, i would mm-hmm. you know first say that we need a fundamental rethink of how we do our budgets uh and, and you know just just in a simple line we would want a a world with less billionaires and more nurses can we make that shift and this is again as i said uh sometimes it's important to give peer examples uh new zealand has actually changed its budget and now they're calling their budget as um, a, a well-being budget that's mm. that's what they're doing uh 
so why can't a country like india start looking at that so to to make those shifts you know there are three four very specific recommendations we have the first one is as you talked of uh, the the relief package uh, for covid which was inadequate i think now the government must uh, ensure that people who have lost their livelihoods are provided direct financial support i think that's that's important the second is uh, a free vaccine to all it's critical that uh, the the disruption that's happened should now now not again lead to inequality of in terms of access to vaccine we are already seeing that as in uh, i've been reading reports about uh, vaccine tourism not not from india but but globally people are flying to dubai to get a vaccine and it's also a holiday uh, yeah. uh, for the super rich yeah so so a free vaccine to everyone uh the second big recommendation we have um from this relief uh, moving from the relief package and which is very critical we have seen uh investments in education and health lead to a more equal society and there's ample evidence from around the world established evidence that investments in education and health lead to a more equal society and and look at you look at uh, india at the moment this is a pandemic here and still let me remind you that uh, india is ranked fourth from the bottom globally in terms of its investment in health so this is you know this is just not acceptable uh, uh, we will need to change that and we need to enhance our investment in health dramatically and similarly on education and and it's interesting government after government plans after plans so you know for the last 20 30 years as in i have been working on this issue government's promise uh, 3% of gdp on health 6% on education and we have not crossed both put together 5% we are somewhere there so you know we are really looking at low investments which then create uh, more uh, inequality the third is uh, <clears throat> i think looking at uh, the the minimum wage uh, you know uh, the the labor reforms again saddening that this was the time when the government should have actually supported uh, the working class but what we saw was actually dilution of of labor laws uh, when people did not have enough uh, uh on their plates we were saying and and almost 10 uh, state governments actually relaxed uh, the number of working hours and there were several other uh, uh, in the name of reforms actually rights of uh, the working people were taken away so it's important now that we relook at minimum wages and we must bring in a concept of uh, what we call as living wages and this is essentially about living a life with dignity so it's very critical that we ensure everybody gets a, a a living wage and not just a minimum wage which will get people only out of poverty but we are talking of a life of of uh, a decent life yeah. uh, and then what is critical is is investments in more greener sectors and more people centered uh, sectors for instance agriculture 
how do we focus much more on, on, on it, which you know, essentially in sectors where there would be much more job creation. So these are few specific recommendations, but, but as I said, it is a fundamental shift that the government needs to make, the budget needs to make, in which people are at the center and it is not the billionaires. If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to The Big Story for episodic updates. We're available on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quint website. And for any feedback, please shoot an email to podcast at thequint.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quint's website and check out our other podcasts.